beloved congregation of our Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In just over a week, Lord willing, the school doors will open for another year. The children, the young people, and their parents will be trying to get back into the routine to ensure that they are out of the house on time to make it for opening devotions and soon after getting their homework done. Shortly after that, catechism classes will resume. The congregational Bible study clubs and societies will also start again. Are you joining one? There are a lot of choices. I do not think that anyone can seriously use the excuse that none meets at a convenient time. The new home visitation season is also beginning. The elders are busy all year long speaking with those in their wards, speaking words of encouragement to the hurting and words of admonition to the disobedient. In addition to that ongoing work is the work of the regular home visits. Once again, as is done every year, the elders will visit all the homes and households that make up our congregation. The purpose of the visit is to encourage you to continue living in the covenant with God. God has established a covenant with us. We are in a relationship of fellowship with him. God has a covenant with believers and their children. The elders want to encourage you to live faithfully in the covenant with God. All of life flows forth from that basic principle that we are in a covenant with God. The education of the youth of the church flows forth from that. Classes at ICS and catechism classes both have their respective roles in that regard. So does congregational Bible study, and so do the home visitations. This morning, in light of the upcoming home visits, as well as the resumption of school, catechism, and Bible study, I preach to you the Word of God under this theme. Prompted by love for God, we are to acknowledge the covenant in all of life, first as individuals, second as households, and third as a community. First, we'll look at how we do this as individuals. A footnote in your Bible may indicate that verse 4 is not easy to translate. A number of options are given. Literally, the Hebrew, with its great economy of words, says, The Lord our God, the Lord one. I do not want to confuse things more, but perhaps the best translation of the Hebrew would be, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord was Israel's God. The Lord is our God. We have no other God than the Lord. We are to love and serve him only. We are not to worship any other gods beside him. As the first commandment says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. This was originally addressed to Israel, whom God had brought out of Egypt, the land of slavery. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. But it is addressed to us as well. For in the New Testament, for as the New Testament teaches us, the church of Christ today is the Israel of God. In Christ, the Lord has completed the work of bringing his people out of slavery to sin and Satan. 
We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. As our Lord Jesus taught us, this is the first and greatest commandment. And when the Lord Jesus taught us this, he added mind, the mind, Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. With every part and aspect of who we are, we are to love the Lord our God in our thinking, our feelings, our speaking, our actions. We are not going into great detail trying to discern exactly the difference between heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That's not the point. The point is that we are to love God totally and completely. Our love for God must be a comprehensive and integrated love that brings every aspect of who we are and what we do into play. Verse 4 says that the Lord is our God. We do not read about the Lord God. Rather, we read about the Lord our God. God has become our God. He has given himself to us and claimed us for himself. That is what it means to be in a covenant with the Lord God. He is ours and we are his. In the fullness of time, he has shown this to us beyond doubt in his eternal son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He came from heaven to us to become one of us, to join God to us and us to God. Since Christ came and did all his work here on earth and ascended back to heaven where he still bears our nature, where he is bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh, we are joined to God in a covenant like never before. In Christ Jesus, the Lord God is our God. When we reflect upon how God is our God and how we are in a covenant with him, then it does not take long before we think about the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words of the Covenant. Teach us how to live in a covenantal relationship with God. As covenant people, we are to obey the Ten Commandments out of thankfulness. And so Moses, on behalf of the Lord God, said in verse 6, These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He is referring to the ten words of the covenant, which he spoke a moment earlier in chapter 5. Are those words upon your heart? The Lord God wrote the ten words of the covenant upon slabs of stone with his own finger, but God wanted his covenant law to be upon our hearts so that it would not be an outward thing, but that obedience would come from the inside out. As God said through the prophet Jeremiah, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. As a visible indication of how the law was to be upon the hearts of God's people to influence how they live, Moses wrote in verse 8 that the Israelites were to tie the law of the God as symbols on their hands and to bind them on their foreheads. In the time of the Lord, Many of the Jews were doing this literally. Even today, many Orthodox, Orthodox Jews will write the law of God upon slips of paper, put them into two little boxes. One box they'll tie on their wrist and the other on their forehead. The Lord Jesus did not speak well of this practice. In Matthew 23, 5, 
the Lord Jesus, speaking about the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, said, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. Likely, we are to do this figuratively. To figuratively bind God's covenant law upon our hands. In other words, God's covenant law is to influence how we act, the things we do with our hands. Figuratively, we are to bind God's covenant law upon our foreheads. In other words, God's covenant law is to influence how we think, the patterns of our minds. As our elders visit us in this new home visit season, will they, they will speak about this with us. How are we living as covenant people? Is God's covenant word upon our hearts, inscribed deeply in our hearts, affecting who we are and what we do? Do the commandments of God control what we do and how we think? Are we living as children of God? This passage does not only speak how we, prompted by love for our God, are to acknowledge the covenant in our individual lives. But we will address this in the second point. It also speaks about how we are to do so in our households. Verse 7 says, You you shall teach them diligently, his commandments, to your children, and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. If the Lord provides a family with children, the parents need to be busy, constantly, teaching the children about what it means to be a covenant child of God. That child needs to learn and understand what it means to be what it means to have been drawn into a covenant relationship with God. Parents, you need to speak to your children about the significance of their baptisms, what it means to have been baptized into the name of the triune God. You need to speak to your children about the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our disobedience to God's covenant laws and whose perfect obedience is ours through faith in him. You need to speak to your children about what it means to obey the Lord out of thankfulness. You need to provide a good example to your children of these things. Children can spot hypocrisy quite easy. If you as parents speak one way but live another, if you, walk the, if you talk the talk but don't walk the walk, as some people say, your children will correctly identify you as a hypocrite. We must also, wrote Moses in verse 9, write the commandments of God on the door frames of our houses. Many Orthodox Jews take this literally as well. They might hang a small box with the commandments of God in it to the wall of the doorway of their house. There is, of course, nothing wrong with that. Many of us have a text of scripture on a plaque or embroidery hanging on the wall somewhere in our homes. For example, some people like to display their wedding text as a motto by which to live. But more importantly than literally affixing the Ten Commandments to the wall of the doorway of your home, or something like that, is that our homes can be recognizable as covenant houses, as homes where God is served. Joshua said in Joshua 24, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What are our households like? Are they obviously covenant households? Do we in our households live as people who are in a covenant with God? 
do we live thankfully, obediently? Our family lifestyles, what are they like? Are we as families, as households, living closely to the Lord? It is the task of parents to establish a biblical and a Christian culture in the home. You can't outsource that to the school. The Christian schools can do very little if the parents are not fulfilling their responsibility in teaching their children the ways of the Lord and developing a truly Christian culture in the home. We must ensure that our Christian lifestyle is one that flows from the heart. A legalistic lifestyle where things are done according to the law rather than out of love for the Lord and thankfulness to Him is of little value. It will only teach the children as long as you do certain things and not do other things, you'll be okay. The Bible condemns that as a pharisaical self-righteousness. We need to obey the Lord out of a living relationship with our God, out of love and thankfulness to Him. As the elders come to visit our households, they'll be speaking about these things. They do not come with a checklist to make sure that we are doing some good things and not doing some bad things. Rather, they want to speak with us about how we are as households living in a covenant relationship with our God. Lastly, <clears throat> lastly, we will look at how we do so as a community. Not only were the Israelites to write the law of God upon the door frames of their houses, they were also to write them on their gates. The gates referred to here are the gates of a city. We have the individuals who make up a household, and households make up that community. The elders on their home visitation will also express an interest in how we are functioning as a community. How are we functioning as a congregation of Christ? and as members of Christ's congregation. As households that belong to the congregation, it is not enough that we live individually or even as households in covenantal faithfulness. As individuals and households, we must also do so as a community, and thus the reference to the city gates. How do we acknowledge the covenant as a community? How, are we, how do we work to get the law of God upon the gates. By helping each other, living in peace with each other, and encouraging one another, using the gifts Christ has given us to build up each other's lives. You can think of the teaching ministry of the church, the catechism instruction of the youth of the church, passing on the faith once for all delivered to the saints, making sure that you are firmly grounded in the Reformed faith, you can think of congregational Bible study. Have you joined one? And having joined one, are you committed to staying with it and not missing every other meeting for one reason or another? You can think of homes for the aged or for the physically and mentally challenged. We have, as a community, taken it upon ourselves to support such homes. In that, you see us functioning as a covenant community. We can also think of the Christian schools. A generation or so ago, we took this upon ourselves. It was something we thought important, even necessary for our covenant youth. The Christian schools were a congregational effort, not parental, but congregational. 
A moment ago, I said that the parents may not farm out the tasks of raising their children to the school. The schools cannot do much if the parents are doing nothing. But at the same time, the schools fill a very important place in our covenant community. The Christian schools are not just there to teach Bible study and church history. They are to give the youth of the church an education focused on Christ, based on the Word and circumscribed by the Reformed Confession. Every course, every field of inquiry, also those that flow forth from the first book of God's revelation, I mean nature, focused on Christ, based upon the Word and circumscribed by the Reformed Confession. But that does not take away that supporting the schools established for the education of the children and young people is also a matter of acknowledging the covenant. Acknowledging the covenant as a community by establishing and maintaining our Christian schools. We are writing the word of God on the gates of our community. Also in this, we need to help each other and to work together. I have no stats at hand, but it does seem to me that the sport for our schools is not what it used to be. People are happy to use the schools when their children are enrolled there, but, but then once the children are finished a certain level of education, they withdraw their support from the school society. That is unfortunate. You must wonder whether there is still a good understanding of what it means to acknowledge the covenant as a community. Let us as a congregation, as a community, continue to acknowledge the covenant of our Lord God. Let us together be concerned about Christ-centered, Bible-based, and confessionally sound education for the youth of the church. Let us function well as a congregation, really being a hand of, and a foot to each other. Let us strive for this year, let us strive this year for thriving Bible studies and faithful attendance at catechism classes. Let us write the word of God upon our gates. Let us, out of love for God, as households, acknowledge the covenant. Let us work at developing distinctive Christian lifestyles in our families. Do not let our households be conformed to the world, killed off, destroyed by worldliness. Let the parents provide good examples of godly living, examples, of the examples that the children can follow. Let us write the word of God upon the door frames of our houses. Let us, out of love for God, as individuals, acknowledge the covenant God has established with us. Let us tie the word of God upon our hands and our foreheads. Let us acknowledge that we are in a covenant relationship with God in everything we think, say, and do. Let us write the word of God on our hearts. In this way, let us love the Lord our God as community, as households, as individuals. Let us love the Lord our God. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. We will love him. We will serve him. We will acknowledge him in all our ways. Amen.